Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is one of the most decorated players in the history of college basketball. How's that sound for an introduction? He was four-time All-ACC during his time at UNC. He was first-team All-America as well all four years with the Tar Heels. Nowadays, he's kind of sort of a member of the media. He is still a professional basketball player after seven years in the NBA, and we will always get to call him the National Player of the Year from 2008 and the NCAA champion with his North Carolina Tar Heels in 2009. Tyler Hansborough, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. You don't strike me as a guy who reminisces a whole lot. You're like a turn the page, move on to the next thing guy. What do you think of when you hear an introduction like one of the most decorated players in college basketball history? Uh, it still gets to me. Um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously since college I've been moving so fast I really haven't been able to sit back and kind of um, – you know, look at it like that. But, yeah, I've soaked it in, and uh, I can definitely say some of the best uh, years of my life, and uh, I still keep, keep in touch with a lot of the guys, and, you know, we uh, we reminisce on the good old days, um, if you want to say that. But, yeah, I mean, um, I still keep in touch with everybody and watch all the games. There are 16 teams still standing. Eight of them will be playing tonight in the Sweet 16 round, the other eight tomorrow night. When you think back especially to nine years ago, when it was you and your guys cutting down the nets, what jumps out the most? Is it a play on the court? Is it uh, the confetti falling? Is it the locker room or the trip home afterwards? What jumps out nine years later? Well, I can't believe it's been nine years, first of all. But, you know, the first thing that when I think about that is uh, when we're in Detroit and we had the game in hand and uh, Coach took me out for the last time and I went over and gave him a big hug. And then I hugged Coach Holiday, who I'm really close with and has been a big part of uh, my college career and somebody that I always talk to. And sharing that moment with my teammates is the first thing that really sticks out. And knowing that we won the championship and I was going out on a, on a good note. You've joined us many times over the years. I can't remember if you've ever answered this particular question. Coach Williams is a regular guest of ours, and he said that he felt as much professional pressure as he has in his entire 30-plus-year Hall of Fame career when he was brainstorming on you and the four years you gave the Tar Heels and having to imagine you leaving Chapel Hill without a national championship. Did you know he felt that way at the time, or did you only read about it later? I didn't know he felt like, felt like that at the time. Um, I read his book, and uh, when I read his book, it was like he was talking to me through the words, so <laughs> I could hear his voice. But yeah, in the book, it kind of he kind of filled me in on a lot of things. But you know, the thing I think a lot of us felt, not only Coach Williams, is that year in the tournament, we we're the we we're hands down the most talented team in college. We had Ty, me, Danny, Wayne, Ed. Um, you know, Dion, and we were supposed to win it. So I think a lot of guys felt that pressure. And if we didn't win it, it was almost a failure. So looking back, you know, we were under a lot of pressure. And especially, you know, if you look at it, you know, Detroit was in a bad state um, economically when we went there and beat Michigan State. So everybody thought that Final Four, that Michigan State was going to win it. They were going to save this, the city, save the car industry and all that. And we went in there and got the W. So, I mean, it was a great way to go out. But, no, I didn't feel that, I didn't feel that type of pressure from Coach Williams when he was coaching. But looking back, I will say, out of all my four years – 
he yelled at me more my senior year huh. than he did all three years combined. So it makes sense. Tyler Hansbrough is joining us here on the David Glenn Show. You can follow him on Twitter at thans50, his old number, at thans50. Also check out his Tobacco Road podcast in one of the more unusual podcast developments in the history of such things. He and former Duke star Gerald Henderson combined forces as media members, if you will, Follow them on Twitter at Tobacco Road Pod, P-O-D. You can find that at Google Play, iTunes, or on Stitcher. Uh, Tyler Hansbro, the National Player of the Year in 2008 and the NCAA champion with the Heels in 2009. Just last night on ESPNU, there was a 30 for 30 documentary replay called I Hate Christian Leitner. So as I describe you as one of the most decorated players ever, that also applies to former Duke star Christian Leitner. Now that you're nine years removed from Carolina, how do you describe how fans, I'm sure Carolina fans still celebrate you, you know, 24 hours a day. What about the rest of it? You don't seem to have been the recipient of, of the hate that Christian Leitner generated, and yet you're a national champion. You're a player of the year. Have you dodged most of that stuff? How do people treat you when they recognize you out and about? You know, I still get mixed reviews. Um, I don't think I have the hate that uh, Leitner dealt with. But I will say there's something about playing with Duke, you know, the uppity stigma and the private school. You know, a lot of people just don't like. And, uh, you know, I went to a big school, UNC. But I did see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of fan hatred towards me. Um, I don't think it was towards the level of Leitner, but um, I don't have any stories off the top of my head right now. But, yeah, I did receive a lot of interesting um, <laughs> hate. And that was more during your playing day, I mean, your college playing day. Since then, did you get it during your seven years in the NBA or last year in China at all? <laughs> Not in China. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I get it on the streets when I'm walking down. Uh, it's usually from, uh, believe it or not, the, the state fans more than the Duke fans. But, um, yeah, I still receive it a little bit, and I like it. And uh, the competitor that I am, um, I kind of have to calm myself down at times. But, you know, I, you know, I still enjoy it. Tyler Hansbrough is with us here in studio on the David Glenn Show. As I look at you right now, you have a nice cleaned-up face. As I looked at you once during your playing days, you had blood smeared all over it. And yet the guy who caused the blood is now your partner in a podcast. Now, we asked Gerald Henderson his version of this story. But, hey, Tyler, I, you were always very professional and cooperative with the media during your time with the Tar Heels or in the NBA. But you don't strike me as a guy who loves to talk more than most people. Uh, so I would not have guessed that you'd end up kind of in the media or with your own podcast. And it's hard for any of us to imagine the guy who bloodied your nose being your partner. So just put into words how that came about. Yeah, I got approached uh, First of all, I'm not a big talkative guy, but I, you know, I did think it was a good opportunity um, to share insight to uh, UNC, and you know, I think I have the ability to get a lot of a lot of players and former players on through my connection that uh, you know a lot of people wouldn't get to hear. But you know, as me and Gerald got older, um, and I was approached with this opportunity, we had somebody else in mind, and then they canceled, and then uh, someone asked me about Gerald. And I was like, man, that'd be perfect because <laughs> a lot of people would catch a lot of people off guard. And I think initially we'd get a good following. <clears throat> and so we've, we've worked way past him breaking my nose. And uh, if anybody wants to know, I thought it was intentional at the time. I kind of had to play the politically uh, correct answer when I was in college and didn't really know what was going on. But, no, I think he did it on purpose. Um, you have to listen to our podcast to kind of <laughs> get the whole story. But we break it down for everybody. And uh, we, we're way over that. And we talk about everything uh, 
uh, UNC and Duke. We talk about the rivalry and we bring former players on. So I've been really, um, I've, been, I've had a good time with it and really enjoyed it. I can imagine why the di dynamic works well, but you just brought up one more reason that it should work well. And folks can check out the Tobacco Road podcast with Tyler and Gerald Henderson. Again, on Twitter, it's at Tobacco Road, at Tobacco Road Pod, rather. We're here with my producer, Darren Vaught, in studio. Would, would any, wouldn't you, as a guest getter for the David Glenn Show, love to have Hansbro on your side? Like, who's going to say no from decades worth of former Tar Heels? You had Roy Williams on your show. Like, who's going to going to say no to you in the Carolina family and who's going to say no to Henderson that must mean you guys are just locked and loaded with guests all the time yeah I mean we've been pretty lucky um, you know we've got a big list and we've got some people that we really want to bring on and uh, we're, we're still reaching out to people but yeah every week we try to bring somebody on new we had Wes Miller who's had a good year yep. over at UNCG and uh, talked to him right before they played Gonzaga but we you know we've we've continually getting we're continually getting better and better with the pod and we're kind of trying to get the hang of it but you know as it, it goes on you know hopefully we get a good following and uh, we'll be able to do something for everybody and give a little insight every week looking forward to tonight's and tomorrow night's sweet 16 matchups i was told that you had duke to go far in this tournament was that like way back in your original bracket or are you kind of warming up to them after they played so dominantly last weekend i'm kind of reorganizing my bracket after last week yeah, to be honest we with all you. are and uh you know, when I look at the tournament right now, I think Duke is the most talented team. And um, as a Tar Heel, um, I hate saying that, but I will say I think um, I think in the lead eight it's going to be Kansas or Duke. And uh, whoever wins that game, in my opinion, I think is going to have a, a good shot at winning the whole thing. Was there room during your time with the Tar Heels or afterward for you to talk with Coach K at all? Because I've heard you described as like the quintessential Duke player in the sense that Mike Krzyzewski values toughness and aggression about as much as he values any other quality. And those are two of the things that symbolized your time in Chapel Hill. I don't know if you just got a handshake in the handshake line from K or if there was ever anything more than that, but... That, that underlying respect that you and Gerald have both described over the years, some fans may hate each other, but it seems like there's way more underlying respect among the coaches and players. Definitely. You know, I, I got a lot of respect for Gerald. Um, obviously, we had that incident, but, you know, he's a heck of a competitor and a great player. But, you know, with Kay, um, you know, I would say um, – Maybe early on they recruited me a little bit, but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a long recruiting process with them. They had a lot of good bigs going into going in that year that I was coming out, and I think uh, you know I got a lot of respect for him. I think he does a really good job, and you know who knows what would happen, but you know. I, Coach Williams, I mean, he's one of the fiercest competitors I've ever met. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I fit in perfect with him, so I wouldn't want to change anything. I'm pretty sure uh, Roy liked your toughness and your competitiveness <laughs> as well. Uh, the heels did not go as far as most thought. Do you get to see them enough even during your seven years in the NBA? Or I don't know how you get them nowadays, even from China. You could probably catch some games uh, depending on the sleeping patterns or whatever. Were you surprised that they went out in the round of 32? Or uh, could you tell, given your four years in Chapel Hill, Roy doesn't like small ball nearly as much as pound it to Hansborough in the post and let him score or get fouled? Yeah, and, and on the pod we talk about this. We, you know, this is a different um, Coach Williams team. Uh, you know, they had a lot of guys shooting a lot of threes from the outside. Obviously, Luke May can get it going, who's a big. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a shooter and uh, Joel. But, um, 
You know, I think Texas A&M is, is talented. I have them going to the national championship game. Oh, wow. And, um, I, you know, I, after I reorganized my bracket. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, they got big, and I think they beat us down low. Um, but, you know, it was an interesting year because this is a little different style for Coach Williams, if you ask me. But, you know, I loved watching uh, Joel Berry and uh, Theo Pinson for four years. I think Theo really came on this year and really um, – you know, I was excited to watch him play and really grow as a person and a player. You're high on Duke moving forward in the Sweet 16. Does does it hurt? Like, as a Tar Heel legend, can you actually put your pen on the paper and write Duke in the national champion box? It feels like ever <laughs> since I've left, I've been doing that more. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, at this point, a lot of times I pick with my ego, but, you know, I do see Duke going. Uh, I, I do see them advancing until lead eight. You know, if they beat, if they beat Kansas, I think they're going to win it. So we'll see what happens. Give us a, an update on your professional basketball career. What is it like playing in China? There are some American legends who have, you know, are in the process of having statues built of them over there. Uh, it sounds like a great place to play beyond the NBA. What was the update on how that went and uh, any future NBA dreams you have moving forward? Yeah, um, I had a great year in China. I really enjoyed it. Um, I had good teammates and uh China was um, living there for about eight months was great for me and uh, I was able to kind of go over there and establish myself and uh, I thought I played well and uh, yeah I would like to get back in the NBA but if that's not on the table I have no problem going back to China um, I was used to um, you know going over there well you know I've it's a little different, to be honest with you. You know, the the English and uh, Chinese, you can get a little mixed up in the language barrier because not a lot of the, your teammates speak uh, English. But besides that, it was great. The league's on the rise. A lot of NBA players go over there, and uh, it was competitive. So we'll see what happens next year. Are you one of those guys that's just going to play somewhere until your body can't take it anymore? Or do you have visions of either coaching or broadcasting or podcasting or uh, other next steps? I don't see myself coaching. I don't have the patience, but uh, I don't see myself playing until uh, I run my body into the ground. I'll play until I'm still having fun, and uh, I'll see what offers I have, and you know, I'll kind of evaluate that over the summer. But now I don't see myself playing, you know, another ten years. I just kind of want to see, uh, you know, where it goes and if I'm still enjoying the game. It's a long way from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, to wherever you were in China. I mean, I'm a Philly guy, and I have cultural adjustments. When I go to Europe, where most people do speak some English and it helps, you know, whether you need traffic advice or anything else, have you thought down the line, like, what is home for you? Is it still Missouri? Is it, uh, I know you're close with your brother, you're close with some of your former teammates, you can call Chapel Hill or the state of North Carolina another home, or are you too young to think about those things? You know, I haven't really thought about it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Chapel Hill will always have a special place uh, to me, but, um, you know, um, you know, I've been going back and forth and kind of going different places. I haven't really, you know, thought about where I'm going to officially settle down. But, I, you know, lately I've seen to come back to Chapel Hill. But we'll see what happens in, uh, in the future. Tyler Hansbrough joining us in studio here on the David Glenn Show. You are 32 years old, which means you, you got to have something that's next. How much time do you spend on your podcast? How, how, how often are you guys updating that? And how many months of the year is that for folks who want to hear your voice next to Gerald Henderson's? 
Well, we do it once a week, um, but, you know, it depends on what type of audience we have, and if we catch momentum, you know, I have no problem continuing to do this weekly. Um, we're just kind of going off feel right now, and, uh, you know, I'm getting a little older, so who knows what's next if uh, basketball's not in the cards, but, you know, I enjoy the podcast right, right now, so who knows where that's going to go, so I'll continue to do it as long as we have a good following and people want to hear us and have uh, former players on from both sides and share their story. As we let you go, Tyler Hansborough on Twitter, at thans 50 The pod is at Tobacco Road P-O-D. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and otherwise. You can find the details by following at Tobacco Road Pod. What, as we watch the Sweet 16 and, and however this tournament ends, I mean, you were a very solid NBA player. You were a college superstar. When you think of Marvin Bagley, one and done at Duke, Wendell Carter, one and done at Duke, do even you sometimes get amazed at, like, everybody just seems longer and leaner and taller and more skilled? I mean, we got Carter and Bagley, if you saw enough of Duke this year, they're, they're basically close to seven feet tall, just a hair taller than you. And yet they can stroke threes and run the floor. I, I'm sure you can dominate at times in China, but it just feels like the world is creating more amazing athletes now than maybe even when you were coming to Carolina in the early 2000s. Yeah, and I think you'll continue to see that. Um, I think if you ask me, the game has changed. Uh, it's getting a little more finesse. Guys like me who go inside banging out grinders um you know guys like more skilled players right now and you know Bagley's a heck of a player and you know his skill set is unbelievable for his size and uh, the ability to shoot the three and his athleticism obviously he's going to be a one and done but um you know if if it wasn't for uh one and done's players having to go to college I'm not sure he'd be at Duke right now because he's that talented he might have been a lottery pick last year he is that good, and Tyler Hansborough was that good. National Player of the Year in 2008, NCAA champion in 2009. Seven years in the NBA and still doing great things as a pro this past year in China. One more time on Twitter, he is at thans50. Thanks for always answering our calls, and thanks for coming in studio today on the David Glenn Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it.